You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Okay, so I was reading Job 1 and came across this portion and I was like, gotta call you. <laughs> I just, I can't. Okay, so reading Job 1 from the NLT version. Um, okay, so Job 4. Job 1 and 4. It says, Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. Five, when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would pur- purify his children. He would get up in early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Okay. Okay. Stop. Mind blown. Because you know how I get super motivated by when the word just jumps out at me okay so i thought about that and i'm like okay first of all these are grown children right okay and so Job, the bible already tells us that he was a blameless man and he had integrity and things of that nature so after every celebration it was your regular practice to get up every morning and perform burnt offerings. Mm-mm. Gonna replay that again. <laughs> several celebrations for several days, right? Read again. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. Now, I don't know if you know it, but Job had 10 children. Okay. He has seven sons and three daughters. I don't know math, but I know that's a lot. Okay, great. So here's my thing. He practiced that out of fear, right? Because the perhaps my children may have sinned. You didn't ask them, hey. Did y'all do something foolish? Okay, great. And the fact that you, you know, at first when I read it some years ago, you know, you read the Bible too quick sometimes, you miss some key stuff. I thought he was just getting up before the Lord and saying, hey, this is for my kids in case they did something, you know, um, want to go ahead and pour a little something out for my homies. And boom, there it is. But to read that, you actually did a burnt offering over each of them every morning. As a regular practice for their celebrations that were days on end. Brought me to this topic that I was like, I have to call you. Doing things out of fear. So the first thing that popped in my head was. And I know it may be an extreme, but just flow with me. People who serial date with the fear of potentially getting caught up and having some real human emotions. People who work umpteen zillion jobs with the fear of not being able to appear like you have it together. People who stay in stagnated, stale, molded relationships because it looks good on the outside, but the inside has it's no pulse at all. 
doing these outward practices that appear like, oh, look at Job. He's being a great dad. That looks great. But the underlying pulse of that is he is afraid that God may go ahead and do something to his children. So what he's doing is trying to do these precautionary things to make sure that the things that he's trying to go ahead and maintain, that they remain. Wouldn't it have made sense just to tell your kids, hey, listen, A, we need to have a talk because I'm not going to do this every morning. I'm not going to do this over all 10 of y'all. It is too much bloodshed. I don't like doing this. It stinks. It's hot out here. I'm over it. I want you to sit down with your 10 children and just have a real talk session with them. Like, what are y'all doing at these parties? Or have one of, you know, your attendants be the private eye. Like, yeah, because your daughters, I don't want to be the one to gossip, you know? Or even the better. Why not just tell them, hey, your celebrations is one day, sir, ma'am, one day. I'm sorry. Why would you keep allowing for something to continue knowing that it's not working for you? It is enhancing fear. It is enhancing Now you got to do more work. Why would you want to do that? It's because, you know, the turn up for several days, it looked great. The kids enjoyed it. So you didn't want to go ahead and say, hey, we can't do this no more. Did you not know how to stand up for yourself? Did you not know how to put up certain boundaries? You'd rather exhaust yourself to go over 10 grown people after several days of them doing that and make it your regular job. Why is it your regular job to repent for 10 other grown people who know God? Why is it your job? Why do I sound salty? Because I feel like it. Because I can't even imagine. I think people... Even when it's the goodness of their hearts, they keep bending over for people who wouldn't even (laughs) bend down to get a pen for them. You can't bend over backwards for people who just, they're careless. And another thing drives me to my other point. You are not helping people by letting them remain the same while you take on more, more burden. Absolutely not. Whatever is there that you feel like they would curse God in their heart. Okay, the Bible says that Job was blameless and he was a man of integrity and he walks with God. What happened to sitting them down and possibly, you know, letting them know the ways of the Lord then? As you are teaching people in your life, especially your children, especially the people closest to you, there should be a clear demarcation of you've been around me enough to know what I am and and, and aren't going to do. And clearly them kids was okay with it being part of daddy's regular routine. You know, we had to turn up last night. We're going to have to wake up so daddy can go ahead and do the burnt offering over us. We're going to have to say this prayer and then, you know, burn whatever this is. And then we going back and then we turn it up again. Like what was, yeah, I don't understand. So what did they learn? You know what they learned? That I can do whatever and then daddy's going to go ahead and make sure, you know, he's going to kiss the boo-boo and make it go away. Not when you've grown. You know, and that's just in Bible. I've read that differently. I was like, time out. Every day? Your regular practice? Mm-mm. I couldn't even. And that's the definition of, in my opinion, creating a monster. 
not teaching people. You can't do for people and not teach them at the same time. Anything that is worth anything in life, there is a training camp for it, right? So before you get your driver's license, you got to get your permit and then you got to study for the test before that. And then you got to take driver's license. And before you can get past the next grade, you got to take these citywide tests and then these, you know, these little quizzes in between time. And, you know, before you, you, you get this particular job, we want to see your resume. We want to see what you've done. We want to, you know, everything has a process of some sort that is like, eh, let me kind of see before we interchange um, this opportunity with you we need to see what you can do for us as well I feel like that very same mentality needs to go into the boundaries created in life and God implanted this saying on my heart that I was just like man I absolutely I'm never going to depart from it you know if you ever been through the home buying process, or if you haven't, I'm gonna just run down really quickly how it works. So, gotta clean your credit up. Go ahead and make that happen. And sidebar of God's telling you, go ahead and do that. You need to go ahead and do that. You need to go ahead and go on DaveRamsey.com, follow the seven baby steps, or you can just Google Dave Ramsey, seven baby steps. And you need to get yourself on a plan to get yourself out of debt because Jesus did not die for you to be in debt. And even if you took the biblical out of it, debt is not cool. It's heavy. It's stressful. It's a no thank you. Okay, I'm going to stop looking at you like that, but I want to make sure you got it. Okay, well, just nod your head then. Okay. So back to my story. Um, Yeah, so when you just think about the exchange of it all, and so what? I lost my train of thought because I was looking at you strange, and that's fine. But the point of the matter is... Just making sure that you go on a journey in your life where you are not constantly overextending yourself for people who are just let you do it. That's not love. And so back to what I just remembered, <laughs> um, what I was talking about, the house buying process. So you clear up your debt and then you go ahead and you call a lender and the lender goes ahead and they search and they say, okay, you know, let me make sure you have your down payment. They shop around to see what kind of um, loans you would be approved for. And then they say, okay, this is how much house, you know, you can afford. And you run the numbers on what your mortgage payment would be and all that, blah, 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 blah. And then we fast forward a little bit, you know, you found a realtor, you fast forward, go through all that. Okay, great. Then you start house shopping. And you find houses that you really like and then boom, you find the house that you like. I like this one. And it's not as easy as saying, great, sign here and you move in and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. When you find the first step is finding the house you love. The second step is, okay, put down your earnest money. Let me see that you are serious about wanting this particular house. Then after that, it's, well, let's go ahead and get the house appraised and inspected. Isn't that weird that you can find something that you absolutely can see on the outside? I love this and I want to move in it now. And I already have furniture that I know will look great and the walls will be this color and oh my goodness. And that there is a more wise choice 
or wiser pr- uh, process saying, mm, yeah, but let's look a little deeper into this. Let's inspect this. So I came up with a saying that I don't move past the inspection. Because your first time house shopping, you want everything. I want that, I want that, I want that. I want to put an offer in everything. And it's like, calm down. Um, we need to make sure that this insulation is what it needs to be. It ain't no termites up in here. We need to make sure that the most expensive part, the, the air and cooling and the HVAC and all that other stuff, we need to make sure that this stuff looks as good in the on the inside as you are imagining it on the outside. Kerbal pill ain't nothing to an attic full of termites. Have a nice day. Okay, great. Right. And so... Just going back to Job and thinking about that whole thing, like why did you keep allowing yourself to continuously to do something on the outside when you didn't search something inside of you after a while that says, why do I keep doing this? Why do I even allow myself to, to be subjected by what it ultimately is, is, which is fear. You cannot be so fearful of something that you create a routine for it. That's insane. And you know what? We do it all the time. You really do. You work umpteen hours because you were afraid of what the boss is going to say. You know, you're creating monsters in your, in your family, in your personal relationships, in your friendships. Because ultimately you don't like being lonely or you don't want them to leave or whatever. Listen. It has got to get to a point that you're like, you know what? A, recognizing you have systematic things in place that has an underlying tone of fear. You mean to tell me his wife didn't even go to him and was like, babe, you going out there again? I mean, I know you're rich, so you got the burnt offerings on deck, but like, why? And why she didn't go out there and say, listen, y'all not going to have your daddy out here. I'm, I'm just, I'm not. If I have to sit here and see, you know, what y'all doing, I, I'm just, I'm not. Y'all not going to have my husband out here. I don't know. That was just a way of looking at it differently. Like, man, every, every day over 10 kids, I don't, that's, that's, that says something. That's, um, that's excessive. You know, we can camouflage it as, you know, maybe, you know, he loves his children so much that he just wanted them to be right with God. Mm, I mean, that's cute if that's the bow you want to put in, put in it. But I actually see the truth of it is that um, either A, he knew that the turn up was so um, disrespectful that it was like, ah, I used to be young like y'all. So I already know what y'all doing back there. So I'm gonna go ahead and protect you. But who knows how long that was going on? (laughs) Who knows it? I actually see it as a fear. The pulse of fear. The pulse of, because he didn't say, I heard what my kids was doing. And so I'm coming out here and I'm doing a burnt offering. That's not what it says. You want me to tell you what it says again? You want to go back? Okay, great. Let's read again. He actually said, and this is in verse five, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. Perhaps it's, that's not a guarantee. If your boss said, perhaps I could pay you, it's a possibility you're not getting paid. 
If you said, hey, Ma, can I go outside with my friends? And she was like, perhaps. That's not an answer. And I'm scared to ask again because you may hit me, but that's okay. No, perhaps is a mm, 50-50. Possibly. Mm, you know. He didn't say, my children are living like reckless lives. And I need to go ahead and make sure that they don't, you know. Perhaps they may have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Oh, Job, you like the, I mean, the over-exaggeration, you know, but he may have just loved his kids to that point that it was like, I'm going to just do it just because, but why? So that leads me to ask, who are you overextending yourself for? You know, it could be outwardly where maybe you're overextending yourself for family members that are not even bending down to tie your shoe. And not to say that you can only do things for people who do stuff for you. That's not at all the agenda that's being pushed. It's just a recognition of sometimes what it looks outside like curb appeal. Like, oh, look at Job. He's making sure that his children are, you know, repented over by the burnt offering. And yay. Okay, great. Whereas when we walk in the inside of that curb appeal house, what we're really seeing is, oh, you afraid, afraid. Is that why you do this so many different days over all these 10 children that are grown people? Oh, okay. It takes a different kind of courage to look and say, why am I doing this? Why am I working all these jobs? Why, why do I lash out at people when they try to get too close to me? What running possibly exaggerated thought is running in my mind that's making me produce these regular practices. You know, why do I start something and then stop and then have this grand idea and then it goes away? And, you know, we can go on and on and on on your why, but it takes a courage to look and say, why do I do that? Because if not, then the curb appeal would just keep, keep appearing like it's doing something great when actuality is not. Because if you scroll a couple of verses later, it actually does say that Job says exactly what he feared occurred. That's how I know his fear. Boom, mic dropped. Okay. Right. So because if it wasn't a fear, then you would just honest. You sh it, it wouldn't have said that. But he literally said, let me go ahead and pull it up because I see how you're looking at me. And I'm not going, you're not going, mm -mm, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you just, nope, nope, no, 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 don't try to out talk me. I'm going to go ahead and let you know now. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Let me see. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No, no, I know. Listen, because I know how you are. I need to be able to show you so that you don't have nothing to say after because I don't want you rubbing nothing in my face. Okay, so we know that they went ahead and, okay, so that happened and then the wind happened. And it's a good story. Like, I don't know if you ever read it, but like, it really gives you gives you something to really be like, oh, that's how that works. But anyway, I'm not going to, God want to hold you up. But exactly what he feared occurred. And so again, I challenge everyone, everyone you know, everyone I know, even myself, to just look sometimes and say, man, why am I doing that? You know, how, why am I stretching myself to that extent? And, and some people are so 
blinded by what they're doing. That if it's no, you know, it, it's not that serious. It's okay. Just because it's not outside of your reach to do like, you know, Job had the cattle. You know, he had the livestock to go ahead and do the, the burnt offerings. My goodness, he has 7,000. What does it say? Oxen alone? No, he has 7,000 sheep. It says in chapter 1, verse 3. 30,000 camels. Five teams of oxen. Five female donkeys. So he wasn't, it wasn't like it was scarce. And it's like, you're going to use your last little bit of livestock to go ahead and do. No, he had it. But. I don't want that to be a measuring cup of, oh, this is why I should still do it. Don't keep letting such and such borrow money because you got it, but they're using it for bad influences or you see that it's aiding in it in, in something that is actually ruining their lives. You know, it's it's not leaving me short. Right. But is it rewarding you in any kind of way? Is it helping in any kind of way? Like what's going on with that? Don't keep picking up such and such as kids and running errands for people and doing all these different things. And it's like, oh, but I was going in that direction anyway. I really believe that there's a difference between helping and hindering. I believe that there's a difference between assistant and assignment. Some things, assistant is, you know, short term, assignment is no God placed it in your heart to do that. But it has to be a God pulse. It cannot be a, well, you know, it just, it makes sense. And who sense? Don't, I'm sorry, I'm going to get me upset. I can't even. But yeah, I was just reading Job 1 and I was just like, man, I had to share that with you because... I mean, we could twist that so many different ways. We can look at that in so many different capacities. Just like, wow, he was doing a good thing with the wrong pulse behind it. How many people are operating in veins that it's just like, it looks good. But if you were to look a little deeper, scan it a little bit, you know, with a different lens, it's like, ooh. So you're not this um, entrepreneur extraordinaire. I got it all together. You're actually fearful that you may lose it and go back to having nothing. I mean, my goodness. And if you just get released from fear, it will never rule you again. Fear actually ruled Job to the point that every time, every day, the next morning after his 10 children had a turn up, okay, a party extravaganza that he was there early in the morning the next day, repenting over 10 people as his regular practice, as his regular practice. So that means we can go 10, 20, 30 cattle 30 whatever livestock he chose just for a three-day turn up. Why? Because he was afraid that if he didn't, they would have cursed God in their heart. Perhaps, you know, something that is not even real is a possibility. He did all that because perhaps they would have been taken away from him. Mm. Yeah. All right. That's all I had to say. So, all right, I ain't going to hold you. Um, let me go in here and um, sort out these clothes real quick. I'm going um, to call you back. You know what that means? I'll speak to you later. <laughs> later. <laughs>